Hey, hey, this is Tracy Austin with Mental Fitness Matters. This show is designed to provide people with tips, strategies, and solutions to improve your mental fitness. This is Mental Fitness Matters. Hey, hey, everybody. Happy Thursday. You are listening to Mental Fitness Matters. I am your host, Tracy Austin, and this is WSIC Radio. Happy Thursday. I hope everyone out there is having a great week. I am back for the third Thursday of the month with my favorite co-host in the building, Miss Erica Singleton. She's the Director of Communications for Professionals Beyond the Game. And we have a Athletes Shine Bright series that we do every third Thursday of the month. Good morning, Erica. Welcome to the show again. Again. How Good are you? Good morning. You know, I look forward to these Thursdays. Me too. I'm, I'm fantastic. I'm so happy to be in here. See your face. See Producing and Kia. Good morning. Yes. <laughs> and I just I can't wait to talk. We're we're so excited with professionals beyond the game. We are a month out yes. from our Shine Bright Summit. Um, we will be doing that again this year. Uh, this time we were actually on Juneteenth last year. Yes. We were the day after. We're June 19th, 2021. Uh, and it's just a full day of really uh, addressing mental health issues, looking at uh, transitions. Yes. Uh, our keynote this year is Steve Smith. Yes. And he's going to be talking about like his transition from the game and uh, the Steve Smith Foundation. So we are super excited. Um, you can deal. find out more at uh, www.pbtg.org. Cannot wait for that. It's coming up quick and it's going to be such a fun time. It always is. Oh, you're with us again. You know, I cannot wait. It's so much fun. When the we get together, together. the gang <laughs> is back together. And every time we get together, it seems like it flies by. And we are excited about today's show and our guest for today, speaking about professionals beyond the game. Um, we're going to talk to the co-founder of the Art of Soccer Academy, David Oldham. David is a former D1 college soccer player for Winthrop University, where he earned his bachelor's of science degree in marketing. Uh, when he was a student, when his student athletic career ended, he went on to work for Procter & Gamble in his hometown of Cincinnati, Ohio, leveraging his involvement in the Enroads internship program as a professional soccer pathway was not common at that time. After his time at PNG, David moved to Atlanta, where he began working in a nonprofit space as a state officer at Georgia Soccer, the state arm of U.S. Youth Soccer Association. At this time, it became clear that youth soccer landscape had not evolved much since his participation as a youth soccer player in Ohio. Um, through his soccer network, Dave co-founded the Art of Soccer Academy, which is a youth soccer and mentoring program that provides a grassroots soccer training experience for all skill levels of players who are overlooked in the current landscape of soccer in Metro Atlanta. The Art of Soccer Academy Academy ultimately hopes to inspire children and families to use soccer as a valuable sports pathway. David, welcome to the show, buddy. How are you this morning? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. We are so excited to have you. I was so excited when uh, Erica sent your information over. I said, this is going to be fun because when we think about soccer and the way that the environment looks in soccer, when I saw you out there in Atlanta, we are so excited to hear how you transitioned uh, from a soccer player to marketing backgrounds professional, right? You have a marketing yes. background. And marketing how did you transfer? Give us a little bit about your story. Tell us a little bit about you. Well, Long story, uh, but short story at the same time. So uh, coming from Cincinnati to uh, South Carolina uh, was a change for me. So, uh, but soccer was the, the critical path between the two. Uh, but doing that, you know, having my marketing degree, uh, meeting everyone, but I was actually a walk-on. Uh, 
Uh, I wasn't a scholarship player. So uh, education was the forefront with my mother being a teacher and things like that. So that was uh, the biggest thing for me was to to ensure I had my degree, but I also wanted to play soccer in college. I wasn't uh, recruited at all because uh, I went to a football uh, dominant high school. Uh, but within that, um, soccer was great. And then realized that I wasn't going to at the time, and I guess it was back in 2000, 1999 when I graduated. Uh, soccer in the MLS was just in its uh, in its infancy. And I wasn't really, uh, for lack of better words, good enough <laughs> to, to go overseas and play soccer. But I realized that um, soccer was something I still wanted to be involved in. So when I moved down to Atlanta, I realized that soccer was very big down here, bigger than it was in Ohio. And it's grown really uh, over the past 20 to 30 years. Uh, but I just realized that uh, the youth uh, landscape uh, still was uh, a lot the same. Um, there was very few black uh, young ma- young men and women that were playing soccer uh, because there is essentially a, a, a financial gap um, for soccer, uh, for youth soccer in this country. And so I realized that there was an opportunity uh, to provide soccer because I'm a nationally licensed coach, provide soccer and give them an opportunity like I had uh, traveling to different places to play soccer, but then giving them the opportunity to use soccer as a networking tool, similar to golf, you know, 20 and 30 years ago uh, to actually just become involved and and grow and get that college scholarship that I was unable to attain. So. That's huge. And I like how you just said that, especially with the financial gap, because when you think about opportunities and creating that pathway in the African-American community, especially normally our pathways may look through sports of basketball or American football. And so creating opportunities through soccer um, and Atlanta is a huge area. Um, what's yes. the Atlanta FC club? The FC uh, Atlanta United. Actually. Atlanta United. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they largest uh, soccer crowds, you know, every time they play, uh, they have about 60 to 70,000 people that uh, that send on the Mercedes Benz Stadium in downtown Atlanta to watch the game. So been to a few games. It's a great atmosphere. It's great atmosphere. That's huge. And so what would you say as you guys for the Art of Soccer Academy, what are the programs look like for your youth? What ages are you guys servicing? What does that look like? Uh, well, we service uh, ages 16 to eight, excuse me, six to 18 um, in Southwest uh, Atlanta. So and the programs essentially go for about 10 months. We start sometime in July. Uh, this time we'd start uh, in July if COVID wasn't um, you know, prevalent as it is, for lack of better words. We would start for the July and we'd go through playing soccer, the soccer season in the fall. Uh, with uh, travel tournaments, whether it's Metro Atlanta or the state of Georgia. Sometimes we take our our players to Florida or Virginia. We've actually been back to Ohio and actually came to Charlotte uh, a few times uh, in the past to play the soccer tournaments. And then obviously we have the holidays and then we move into our spring season, um, which we've just rinse and repeat for soccer programming. And uh, our soccer is generally from, excuse me, practice goes for two to three days a week, and then you have games on the weekend. So uh, the parents and the players, we see a lot of each other. So we really become a tight-knit family, and really I call them a village um, yeah. So because we have to take care of the youth and make sure that they're uh, on the right track. I think that's huge, and I love what you guys are doing because I think when we think about um, professionals beyond the game and the opportunities for networking and bringing community together, I think soccer, like you were talking about, is a pathway, knowing that our youth, that we are more than athletes in terms of our performance. And so giving them the opportunity to see you as a coach and see somebody that looks like them and say, you know what, this may be an opportunity for me. 
You know, this may be something that I can kind of get into and have funding to support my skill set, to have funding to support my emotional and mental development, to have good people around me, to know that I can go this path and it can be an option. Because I know from a mentality standpoint, um, there's been a lot of research that said that mentality of some of our youth athletes as it looked at for soccer, there might not be a pathway for me there. So I go another direction. Correct. Correct. You know, so building a community around that, I think, is huge. Saying that it's a village is important, too. I think everybody really understands the costs associated, like football. They understand the costs, you know, what goes into playing basketball, the ones that are kind of uh, lesser in cost. And then when you when you put your girls, um, young ladies into like um, and young men into dance and cheer, like um, the costs really start to escalate. But a lot of people don't understand the costs associated with soccer and specifically being in travel soccer. And and to stay competitive, you have to be correct. Yeah. Yeah. You have to be. It's well, we always say it's it's a marathon, not a sprint. You know, like it's not we live in the Internet society. So there's like instant gratification with the kids. You search something and you get a response or something that you can choose from. So you can't just play soccer for, you know, a couple couple months out of the year and this, that and the other and just expect to be the same player. You know, so it's it's really a rhythm. And when the players find their internal rhythm and, and find out what best suits them in the soccer game because the soccer is a very cerebral and organic sport. So the soccer ball never comes to you the same way. The games are never the same way. There's no timeouts, um, <laughs> things like that. So you just really have to think on your feet. And that's really something that uh, the kids and the young, the young teenagers that we do coach um, need to realize is that everything is not always going to work out um, the way you've planned it. And you have to be adaptable, not just in on the soccer field, but in society as a whole. So, Absolutely. Yeah. As their coach, um, you, you talked, you, you touched on a couple of different things, like it being such a cerebral sport. Um, also, like getting their mindset together as well as their um, their bodies in the sport. But like outside of the sport, what are some of the things that you have recognized as a coach that you have to work with, not only with your athletes, but with their parents to prepare them mentally for what the sport is going to bring to them and then life beyond the sport? That's a loaded question. <laughs> so I mean, let me let me let me take that from a different standpoint. Okay. So soccer is not ingrained in the African American community, um, in the Latino community, and Hispanic community. Soccer is generational. Uh, overseas, soccer is generational. Here, soccer is is technically been treated like a throwaway sport. It's like, well, if I can't play football, or I can't play basketball or track. I'm going to put my child in community recreational soccer, whether it's the YMCA or the Boys and Girls Club. But there's this concept of, you know, the AU travel and and the parents, since they've never played the game, they don't understand the game. In most instances, uh, just again, never just really knew anybody that played soccer. The whole point is to teach them as we're teaching their children. So a lot of it is parent education. And and doing that, we always tell the parents that, well, we want we want to build scholar athletes. It's not about just playing the game to try to get a scholarship because not every child is going to get a college scholarship. So it's not about training, weightlifting, conditioning and all these things just to get a college scholarship. It's to show discipline. It's to show 
you know, you have to get up if things don't, you know, in the morning to work out and, and all these other things. And it's not just coming to practice. It's doing things off the field as well. And you have to eat properly. You have to cut down on you know carbs, carbs and, and proteins during the season and things like that. And just understand that soccer, soccer can be something that your, your child can, can evolve in. And it's not just playing the game. It's becoming a referee later or becoming a coach um, to, to improve the game and not just uh, play the game as well. So, and so that's the biggest the biggest uh, thing we try to teach the parents is that it's not just about the game, you know, playing the game and wins. It's about technical and tactical development. But what that also improves is their acumen in school. So understanding that, you know, you may not, you, the grades may not be, you know, uh, done well or this, that, and the other, but just learning to uh, find different ways to actually um, appreciate uh, the school aspect. And then that sort of relates back into the soccer fields. Do you find that uh, mentally challenging for you as a coach in this in, in in your community to provide that education for parents? Let them see that you know what scholarship is not necessarily the goal here. Could it be a potential? But there is so much more that we're training and that we're teaching that we're wanting to instill in your youth. Do you find that buy-in from parents to be a challenge or the community um, at large? I do because you know generally you know with with society in America is that if you're playing a sport you're you're playing to become a professional right. or you're playing to become a college athlete and again that's not always the case you know every every college essentially has whether it's D1 D2 D3 or NAIA they have a soccer program but not all levels of soccer provides soccer scholarships so the first question that generally coaches ask us is well how are their grades because if you're talking to me then you know your your child is probably a, a good soccer player that you're that you're training but how are their grades you know how are they as an individual off the field what type of um, involvement do they have in the community so you know, during our journey through the, through the soccer program, not only are we training them, we, we introduce them to robotics, uh, robotic leagues and, and coding and, and, and reading and things like that to allow them to just explore um, those options because soccer, again, won't always be a pathway to college. But if you get to college, like myself, I actually walked on. Yeah. So. And so I, I earned that 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 college scholarship at Winthrop after you know walking on, but I got to Winthrop through my education. So that's the biggest thing. And you know, we want to make sure that the kids graduate from high school and go to college and become global citizens at the end of the day. Hats off to you for that. What would you say your needs are right now, Dave? Because you're going to be sharing this with your network, your community, the people out there in Atlanta. And I know sometimes where soccer clubs and soccer academies um, in certain communities, they can bring in professional athletes and say, hey, this is the person that is going to help bring alongside this nonprofit organization. What do you need as it relates to the art of soccer academy in terms of continued growth and awareness of what you guys are doing? What are your needs? Uh, the biggest need right now is is a field location um, because, you know, just like in real estate, it's location, location, location. So yeah. we've, we've been fortunate enough to to partner with organizations like Soccer in the Streets uh, here in Atlanta and other organizations uh, to help us uh, just have a consistent location in order to, to train. Right. But if we had our own location, then the sky's the limit. Uh, as far as the things we're able to do, we can have more training. We can have film sessions. Uh, we can do soccer, uh, excuse me, um, not just film sessions, but also do 
you know, school sessions and things like that, having tutoring and, and other things like that with series coming in and, and doing things with the Atlanta United uh, Academy and also the professional team. But the biggest thing right now is is location. You know, we're currently searching for land and obviously land is not cheap. Uh, so, so being able to build that case that we have a model that works um, and we like to say uh, soccer, soccer, affordable soccer, uh, should be the main the main thought process as opposed to uh, charging what they actually charge right now. But if we had a location, we could minimize those costs and just uh, synergize all our efforts to put in a location so we can get referees certified. We can get more coaches certified that will train the children, have a pipeline, for lack of better words, in southwest Atlanta to matriculate uh, the youth through elementary, middle, high school and on to college. So. Awesome. You talked about making your uh, athletes, helping your athletes become global citizens. And mm-hmm. I, there has been a lot going around. <laughs> it, it goes without saying in the last year from a national perspective and an international global perspective. Um, I'm going to go ahead and, and, and throw one at you that, that is again, a loaded question. Um, as a black man coaching in uh, Georgia, as a whole, um, what you are facing, how do you prepare your students, um, your athletes mentally with all that is surrounding them and also what they face? Because you don't even have to say that they've had to face racism on the on the pitch, um, on the field, because there's not a sport out there where they don't. And so well, how do you mentally prepare not only yourself, but your athletes? You're right. It was a loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> it um, is. Wow. I, I prepare I prepare not only our children, but I also prepare their parents to say that you're going to hear things on the soccer field once you get out of Metro Atlanta, because, again, we are in Georgia, that you may not generally hear on a regular basis. But the stereotype is when they see an all black soccer team uh, walk onto the soccer field is that they're not going to have technical ability. They're not there's going to be fast and, you know, there's going to be a physical game and all the other stereotypes that go with uh Blacks in general, African Americans in general, in society, and we're not going to have control. We're going to be angry and things like that. So the biggest thing is is just having self confidence that you're doing the right thing, regardless of the, the things that you hear on the soccer field, regardless of how you feel that the referees are calling the game or the things you hear from the parents. Is that we're here to be ourselves and a hundred percent of ourselves, and no one's going to stop us from being ourselves while we're here playing the game. And it's not really about the wins and losses. It's about showing families and other communities and other parts of Georgia that we are, we can play soccer and we can play soccer at the highest level because we've placed 13 or 14 uh, young ladies and young men in college on scholarship over the past 10 years. And that is something that is really not heard of when you're dealing with where the smallest essentially program in the state of Georgia in Southwest Atlanta that produces soccer players. So just preparing them that you're going to hear things that you may not like, but let's play the game. Let's play it respectfully. Let's respect the game and the game will end up respecting you. And a lot of times after the end of the game, the perceptions are then uh, changed that, wow, you know, an all black soccer team can play soccer on a regular basis and can play a, a the, the game. The beautiful game is what, you know, soccer is called global. So. Yes, we can. That's huge. Buddy, how would you, how do you say for yourself, what do you, how do you define mental fitness and what do you do to take care of your own mental wellness? 
a lot, a lot of walking, yeah. <laughs> a lot of walking, uh, just a lot of just taking time to have balance and find that balance is, is how I, I treat myself, but then also try to, you know, pass on to the children and the families is that you have to take time, not only with school and soccer, but you have to find a balance. And in order to do that, you have to be sure of yourself. And I think that's the biggest thing that our children are missing is that with all the exposure from the internet and the gram and TikTok and things like that, there's all these things that, well, you can do this or you can do that. You, you know, the, as you know, that a lot of that, a lot of those things aren't their authentic selves and being your authentic self and is the biggest thing uh, with all the exposure that these young children get is being your authentic self and finding your authentic self. And that's the biggest thing and finding that balance. Cause we have a lot of kids that still are learning the game, but with Atlanta United being here, they can actually see the game and understand what it takes uh, to be successful within the game of soccer. So that's the biggest thing for mental health is, is you have to be able to take the good and the bad, but then understand that it is just a game. And we're playing this game because we love the game. We have a passion for the game. But at the same time, you know, you have to find that balance. And you may have missed a goal. You may have missed a penalty kick. You you may have lost to a team in the last minute because there was a mental breakdown in, in the back third of the field. But understand that it's just a game. You learn from your experiences and you put those in your toolkit. And then you try to implement or adapt for the next thing that comes around that may be an obstacle that you weren't expecting. I love it. And it sounds like, too, as you're kind of speaking through what you teach, not only through the parent education, but the training that you guys provide in a skill set way. I love the beauty of sports because it does. It builds so many more characteristics of resilience, of staying calm. A lot of kids may are coming out there channeling that energy and emotion through sport, you know, Mm -hmm. and so having a place and a space to feel safe to do that, it's beautiful. So the opportunities that you guys are providing our youth, they're huge. They're making an impact. It sounds like not only where you are, but to have 13 or 14 go on to the college level. You're right. That's not heard of. So hats off and kudos to all that you're doing. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Absolutely. We're very proud of that. We're very proud of that. And that's the other thing is that not only once they get out of the program, um, once 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 you're in the program, we say you never get out. You know what we give you as a youth, you're supposed to give back. You know, and a lot of our, we, you know, a lot of our alumni, I guess our oldest players and alumni are probably around 25, 26 years old. Um, some of them have families are married now, but they're giving back. They show up at practice and they tell the stories to the parents and the children about what we, what they went through and how they learned uh, from us as coaches and glean from us as coaches to, to be better people. And it just, it, it just, brightens my day when I see players that, you know, we had a few players, one player went to Howard uh, and played soccer and one went to Fairleigh Dickinson in New Jersey. And when they come back here and they move back to Atlanta, they come and provide their time. And it just warms my heart to see them because I was teaching them. We were teaching them when they were 12, 13 and 14, and now they're giving back. And that's the biggest thing is, you know, if you're given something, if you're given an opportunity, uh, don't, forsake that opportunity by not giving back of your talents. And, and that's really just more that purpose-driven uh, vision that we're trying to do. It's just, just a sick, uh, a very cyclical um, idea of, of soccer, not just come in, play soccer and, and leave. We, we want you to come back. We want you to grow the game because there, it lacks that infrastructure specifically in the black community. 
Um, and I don't like to say the term underserved. I like to, like to say the term overlooked. Um, mm-hmm. So we want to make sure that they're giving back and they're seen. And so that, that the kids have an idea of, yes, we can do it because Coach Dave and all the other coaches have helped other people that look like us. And now they're coming back to help. And this is something that I would like to do as well. Big deal. Big deal. Coach, we got about two minutes left, and I want to make sure people know how to contact you, reach you. Um, so feel free to drop any of your information on how they can support your organization. Go for it, buddy. Yeah. So uh, if you go on Facebook, it's Facebook slash Art of Soccer. Um, that's our main uh, main medium of communication right now. We're actually working uh, to get our website back up with COVID. We took it down so we can actually uh, redo some things. Uh, to the website, but our website uh, will be Taosa, T-A-O-S-A-F-C.com. Um, so you can visit us there uh, pr- probably in a few months once we get everything back up and running. But uh, the best way to to reach out to us is facebook.com slash art of soccer. Uh, it's awesome. been a pleasure having you. We cannot thank you for all that you're doing for our youth and so many in the community, our parents, our leaders. Keep leading. Keep leading. You're making an impact. So thank you for taking off your corporate hat and getting in the trenches. We appreciate you, buddy. <laughs> I appreciate the invite and yeah. you all the great work and uh, keep doing what you're doing. You know? Awesome. 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 Miss Erica, our time flies when we're having fun. Oh, every time 30 minutes is never enough, but we make it work. <laughs> we do. We make it work. Go out and shine bright like the stars that you are. I want my Mental Fitness Matters community to have a great week. Keep shining. Be kind. Love yourself. We'll see y'all next week. For joining us today on Mental Fitness Matters. Tune in every Thursday at 8.30 a.m. to 9 a.m. for more tips, tools, strategies, and solutions that will help you reach your peak mental fitness. My name is Tracy Austin, and you've been listening to Mental Fitness Matters. 